Let's pray. So, Father, we thank you that as we gather around your word, we can expect you to speak to us, you to encourage us. God, uh, you like to shine on us afresh and help us to live lives that are glorifying to you. And we just ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Father's Day, what a great day. Uh, it's a great day to sit, just to celebrate the specialness of being a father. You know, men and women are different. Yeah? Yeah. Every cell in our body is different from woman. And so the way we act, the way we look is different. So, guys, I was reading a list of a 100 reasons why it's great to be a man. And I thought I'd just give you one or two of them just for your encouragement. So it's uh, great to be a man because one wallet, one pair of shoes, one color, all seasons, or at worst, three pairs of shoes is more than adequate. All right? Yeah. Um, it's great to be a man because God has created us with the inability to see wrinkles in our clothes. Five-day trip requires only one suitcase. Underwear is $10 for three packs. Um, car, me car mechanics tell us the truth. All right. Uh, your pals can be trusted never to trap you with, so, notice anything different? We can sit quietly and watch TV with a friend for hours without thinking he must be mad at me. Same hairstyle lasts for years, maybe decades. All right, so it's really, really good to be a man. God's last words to Israel in the Old Testament are found in Malachi chapter 4. And um, after saying these things, there's about a 400, 450 year break before God uh, is recorded as speaking again. And in Malachi uh, chapter 4 and verse 6, he says, uh, before that, he says he will arise with healing in his wings. And then secondly, he says he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. And it's really evident in places where fathers and children aren't knit together, that there is a curse on the land. Uh, not only are people's hearts turned away from Father God, but our nation is becoming more and more fatherless. The family unit is under attack, and people just don't know how to live righteously before God. Uh, I would suggest that there are more social problems generated in New Zealand society through the lack of godly fathers than probably through any other contributing factor. In fact, I um, was reading the British Telegraph, who wrote an article entitled How Dad Deprivation Could Be Eroding Modern Society. And in it, they quote a number of statistics that they gleaned from uh, the uh, U.S. Department of Justice. And these are some of them. 63% <clears throat> of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 90% uh, of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 85% of all children who show behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 
75% of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centres come from fatherless homes. And in Whangarei, we have one of the highest percentages of single-parent households in the nation. No wonder there are problems in our society. Now, I'm not saying things are hopeless for kids without fathers in their home. Uh, Single mums can raise well-balanced, good kids, and there can definitely be a God factor in their upbringing. But it's just a lot harder for single mums. And church, they need our help to stand in the gap uh, for them. And when young people from single-parent homes come to know our Father God, the curse is broken, and they go against the statistics. But I mention those statistics just to highlight out there in the world how difficult it is and how society is really impacted by fatherless homes. But God's heart is to restore our relationship to himself. Amen? And our relationship with one another. Fatherhood is one of the greatest blessings and challenges that a man will face. Anyone with hormones can make babies. But it takes commitment and courage to be a great dad. So this morning I want to talk to you about seven things that we all need to grow better at as fathers, as parents, as grandparents, uh, fathers and mothers in the faith. And um, by the way, uh, when we were giving out prizes for fathers um, who had the most kids, I was thinking of the Reeds uh, who have fostered over over 60 kids. Over 60 kids. That is absolutely amazing. So next time you see um, Bryce and Michelle, you want to just pat them on the back and say, well done, faithful servants. Absolutely brilliant. Okay, number one. Your family needs you to pray for them and teach them about God. But you can't do that unless you prioritize knowing God for yourself. Uh, We choose what our priorities are and where we will invest our time. And there are always busy times and busy seasons. Uh, When you start a new business or you start a new job, uh, they become a priority for a time. It's time management, how we balance work, recreation, our family, our personal time. But we have to make time alone with God our priority. No matter how good church is, no matter how instructive or uplifting or challenging it is, nothing can substitute for time alone with God. Because it's when you're alone with God that it's easiest to hear a still small voice guiding and leading. And then when you're plugged in with God, you've got something to pass on. Parents and grandparents have been given a unique opportunity to develop a child's spirituality. What a privilege that is. God will give you creativity in that area if you ask him. I love what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 11. It says, Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your forehead. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, 
Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Don't leave the most important aspect of a child's development to chance. Guys, this is not a woman's job. It's a parent's job. Fathers, if you leave the God stuff to girls, your sons especially, will believe that God stuff is girl stuff. Uh, Penny did an absolutely fantastic job bringing up our boys, but she couldn't do it by herself. I had to be responsible for praying for them. I had to be responsible for teaching them about God and setting an example and getting them to church as well. So when they were younger, every night I would try and read the Bible to my kids for 10 minutes. And so when they were younger, we had one of those picture Bibles, and uh, that was really, really, really excellent. And being boys, they had favorite passages in the Bible. And I know none of you have kids like this, but my two boys, their favorite passage in the Bible was Jezebel being thrown out the window, um, her body splatting on, on, the, on the ground and being eaten by dogs. All right, so that was, that was their favorite passage, all right? Guys, if you want your children to grow up to be men and women of God, you have to be the man of God because they will follow your example. And you can't take them somewhere where you haven't been. And by the way, now, uh, kids are well and truly left home. Uh, my oldest boy, who is, how old, Penny? 40, 42. Yeah, he's over with his wife um, for a couple of weeks to stay with us. But we have the opportunity now to pray for and to tutor our grandkids. And so um, older mums and dads, you might have think you might think you've blown it uh, with your kids. Build relationships with your grandkids, and make opportunities to share with uh, them your faith. If you want your kids to go to church when they grow up, you need to take them to church regularly when they are younger. So guys, you need to become everything you can be in God, not just for yourself, but for your family. And I think uh, parents are like an umbrella uh, for their kids. If you've got holes in your umbrella, then your kids are going to get wet. And so you have a responsibility to get your lives right with God so that your covering, your protection of those little ones gives them the best opportunity of growing up in the things of God. You need to break free, break through for your family as much as yourself. If you aren't 100% committed to God, His plans and His children, His church and His kingdom, you can't expect that your kids will be. So press into God for yourself and for them. And it's never too late to start. Today is a great day to get right with God. Secondly, guys, we need to grow in love for the mother of our children. And all the woman said, amen. Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. When the honeymoon is over, that's when the real loving starts. And it's fun. It's not hard work, but we need to work hard at it. Our love for our spouse is supposed to be a reflection of Christ's love for the church. 
That means it's unconditional and we put our spouse first and try to please them before ourselves. Gary Smalley's written a great book called Five Love Languages. How many people have read that? Wow, less than half of you. Okay, all the other ones need to get that book, Five Love Languages by Gary Smalley. So, so um, insightful. Okay, he says in the book that love is expressed through five main areas. In other words, when you get past the Hollywood, I love you, how does that actually translate? All right, when someone says to you, I love you, how how do you receive that, okay? Well, he says there are five main areas, through words of affirmation, through quality time, through giving of gifts, through acts of service, and through physical touch. So Gary Smalley says, we give and like to receive love mainly using one or two of those expressions of love. Each one of us will mainly like and use one or two of these love languages. So in a marriage, it's rare for both the husband and the wife to have the same primary love language. And so when it comes to giving and receiving love, often what we think is an act of love is not interpreted as an act of love by our spouse. It's important when we are talking about unconditional love and marriage that both the husband and wife learn to talk each other's love language. So take Penny and I. Penny's love languages are quality time and acts of service. So if I don't empty the dishwasher, if I don't take the rubbish out, she doesn't think I love her. Because she translates acts of service as being acts of love. If I don't spend time with her, then she thinks he doesn't love me. For me, physical touch and words of affirmation are my two main love languages. Okay, so if I don't get cuddles, if she doesn't speak loving words to me. I don't translate that as love. Each of you will be different. And uh, in that book, Five Love Languages, uh, there's, a, there's a very short um, questionnaire that you can go through which will tell you what your primary love languages are. And there's five love languages for kids as well. So there's a kid's book. And they're very, very insightful and really, really good. And I must admit, that has really helped us in the years of our marriage. So we've got to all learn to speak our spouse's love language and our children's love languages if we want them to feel love. A child who knows that his parents love each other has a security and a stability about life which has gained no other way. Learn about how to love your spouse better. Number three, our time is precious and is one of the most valuable gifts that you can give your children. We will influence our kids one way or another, either by our presence or by our absence. And time reveals the priorities in your life. Dad, if your family is really important to them, give them priority time. Now, I heard one preacher 
speaking on this, who said, kids want your time, not your money. Okay, well, his kids must have been different to mine because my kids always want my money and they still want my money. And even the grandkids want my money. I mean, the other day, we're sitting at the table and they said, when you die, who gets the boat? These are young kids. And I hope they weren't wishing me to drop dead on the spot. But the reality is they were thinking, man, that's a nice boat. Poppy, you've got to give it to us. And following up on that, Dad doesn't like fishing. He won't want the boat. And we had to explain to him the way that things work. Okay? Now, while the Bible says that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, and if he doesn't look after his his own, he's worse than an infidel, the reality is that our kids want our time more than anything else. Uh, I knew that my father loved me because he spent time with me. Uh, When our children were growing up, I would have been as busy, if not busier than most of you. But Penny and I prioritized spending time with our boys. And so what we did was we set aside, we said to the boys, okay, Monday nights, that's your night. We're going to do whatever you want on a Monday night. And so as the kids got older, the games got more and more sophisticated. Uh, But Monday night was their night. And, you know, they're they're 40-year-olds now. And they still talk about some of the great times that we had on Monday nights playing. Sometimes I got called out on a Monday night. Unavoidable. So the very next night, that was it. But I hardly ever missed a Monday night play night with the kids. And we carried that on for over a decade. Uh, Probably for probably 18 years or so. And it just, it did something in our family. And they knew that they were loved. Work at finding stuff that you can do together with your kids and sort out your time priorities today. Today's a great time to sort out your priorities. Number four, become your kid's greatest encourager. By the way, do you like the uh, the PowerPoints behind? Bonnie does an awesome job. Man, she is gifted in that area. And she just releases me, and uh, I get an extra couple of hours a week to do other things because Bonnie's doing the PowerPoints, and she does a brilliant job. Yeah, you want to give her a hand. She, she does great. <laughs> Hebrews 10.25. <clears throat> Let's encourage one another. Your kids need your encouragement. You should be their greatest supporter. It's not a matter of talent. It's a matter of encouragement. You give your kids something to live up to or down to. It's your choice. People don't become what you nag them into. They become what you encourage them to be. And encouragement brings out the best in people. My dad believed in me. His hero was Sir Donald Bradman, one of the um, greatest cricketers that's ever lived. I'm told that's why I was named Donald B. James. Uh, When I started playing cricket, not that I had any choice in this matter, um, he was always there supporting me. And I I wasn't that great a cricketer, uh, but he was always there every week encouraging me. 
And mum was the same, by the way. Uh, when I took up tennis, she would take me up to the Blockers Bay tennis courts at 6 o'clock in the morning so I could play for an hour before school. Man, that is dedication by a mum. I can't remember dad ever missing one of my soccer matches. He was there every, every week. He was my greatest supporter. When I was at university, he would go into the Auckland City Library every Wednesday, look up the Manawatu papers to see if I was ever mentioned. And frequently I was. And he would write to me and say he saw my name in the paper and he would photocopy it and take it into work and show his friends. You know, when I got in the New Zealand University soccer team, Dad took the pictures into work and he was the proudest dad in the office. And he was a big boaster. I learned from my dad the value of being my boy's biggest supporter. I haven't been anywhere near perfect, but I've always tried to support my sons 100% in anything that they chose to do. Encourage your kids. Tell them that God's got a plan for their lives, and they will believe it. Number five, respect their individuality. How many with more than one child know that your kids are different? Put your hand up. They are all so different. Every child is different. The challenge is to love them equally and treat them according to their individuality. One of the mistakes that Jacob made was that he had a favorite son. Joseph, and that really screwed up the family relationships to the point that his other boys were so angry they wanted to kill Joseph. I only have two sons, and they are so, so different. Uh, Peter, my oldest boy, was always very studious. Stephen, he just loved sport and just wanted to have fun. He would skip classes at boys high and go down to the cricket pitch and practice during the daytime, as I found out later. Actually, uh, Stephen's been pretty great for me. Often he would just say, lighten up, Dad, lighten up, Dad. And I, I remember the time when we were having a water fight with Buckets and the boys, and um, Stephen ran for the security of the house, and I just... I can still picture him standing in the doorway, of the main door of our house, saying, nah, 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 as I came up with a bucket of water, knowing that he was safe. Wrong. One full bucket of water straight into his face, all the way down through the hallway. The, wall, the wallpaper was soaked. My wife was not pleased. I was in the bad books with her, but it was worth it just to, just to see Stephen's face as he copped a bucket full of water. It was priceless. Peter has always been compliant. Stephen always pushed the boundaries. Rarely crossed them, but boy, he gave them a nudge at times. So music, sport, fishings were my great loves. Peter, fantastic musically, and is still a real encouragement to us in that area. 
Stephen was always brilliantly good with people and great at sport. Penny and the grandkids love fishing. What a happy fella I am. <laughs> if I wanted competition in anything, Stephen was always the biggest challenge, and that hasn't, that hasn't changed. Every Monday night, Penny and I go uh, and play cards with Stephen and Prue. And not that we're competitive or anything, but um, we've got the results of every card game that we've played over the last five years on the computer. And at the moment, uh, Stephen and Prue are two games up uh, in 500, um, heading towards the end of the year. But we can come back. So, we've always had to treat our boys differently to bring out the best in them. But we've always tried to love them equally. And just as an aside, for all you mums and dads with really stroppy, strong-willed children, we've found that the very character traits in our kids that give us so much grief when they are younger are the seeds of the giftings that God will use in later years as their spiritual gifts are developed. Every father has a dream for his kids, but they are themselves and not you. So dads, don't live out your dreams through them. Let them grow up as individuals and they'll teach you some things. Number six, remember you aren't perfect, so neither are your kids. Give your children room to fail just as you have done and don't be too hard on yourself. Remember, all have sinned. No one is perfect except God. And he created Adam and Eve, and they both disobeyed him, but he still loved them. So no matter what, love your kids. Love them. Even if they walk away, make sure they know that they will always be loved. You know, some of our kids make crazily bad choices. Some of our kids just go down the wrong track. Despite that, despite living in a way that you don't approve of, make sure they know that you love them and there will always be a place for them in, their, in your home and in your heart. And learn to be great grandparents. Number seven, be the role model that your kids can look up to. Uh, kids are looking for a hero to model themselves after, and dads, they look to you first. They look at how you treat their mum, how you lead in the home, how you handle problems, how you make provision for the family. 
You know that if both father and mother go to church, 72% of children will also go to church when they grow up. My dad was a great dad, not a perfect one, but a great dad. Never heard him yell at or strike my mother, even under really, really trying circumstances when she was sick. He worked for the same company for over 30 years. <clears throat> and when he died at age 64, uh, I lost my greatest supporter. What about you? Your kids are going to be like you. Are you worth following? With Jesus' help, you can be. If, if you've messed up with your children, start putting it right as best you can with them, but also with your grandkids or those kids around you with no dads. And every everyone here can and does know children with no father in their life. They are just looking for someone to look up to. They're looking for a teacher or a neighbor or somebody, just somebody that they can latch on to and be loved. You could be that person. And you could change lives one kid at a time. Amen? Seven musicians. So, Father, we thank you that you are our model. You loved us so much that you gave. And, Lord, as we look into our spheres of influence, as we talked about last week in Jabez's prayer, he prayed, God, increase my territory. Lord, I pray that you would increase our territory when it comes to kids in our family, in our neighborhoods, in our places of work. God, help us to find someone who needs an example Let's be the example of what our Father God is like. We just ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.